Good morning. Welcome again to Zion Lutheran Church on this 14th Sunday after Pentecost. A few things before we begin our worship. First is a reminder that there is a congregational meeting following the worship service, so Zion members are encouraged to stay for that meeting. Uh, also, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, today was our first Sunday, returning back to our Sunday school schedule. Uh, I want to thank specifically Mary for all the work she put into getting the rooms ready and getting us organized. Also, thank you to those who are teaching this year and making it all happen. Uh, very, very much appreciate your time and your service. Uh, and it, it's so meaningful in God's kingdom. So thank you for, for those who've invested in Sunday school this year. Uh, I see Gary back there. So I want to just mention this, that Gary and Rose are celebrating their 50th anniversary on Friday. So happy anniversary to them. And getting to know them over the last year and a half or so and seeing their commitment and marriage and their love has been an inspiration for me. So happy anniversary, Gary. And, and, and give our regards to Rose as well. Uh, just a quick update on the sign-up sheets for the quarter sale out in the lower narthex. Uh, the sign-up sheets have been updated a little bit for clarity. So there are two sheets, one sheet on the table. If you can bring cookies or brownies or make something for the free lunch, there's a sign-up sheet there. There's also a sign-up sheet if you want to work uh, at the lunch or at the sale. Uh, there's a sheet with time slots there that you can sign up on. So take a look at those uh, and sign up where you will be able to serve. Are there any other announcements or prayer requests for the congregation this morning? If not, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare to worship.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by all we have done. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. God, overflowing with mercy and compassion, you lead back to yourself all those who go astray. Preserve your people in your loving care, that we may reject whatever is contrary to you, and may follow all things that sustain our life in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The first reading is from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. How stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. 
Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of the Lord. The psalm is Psalm 51, which we'll do responsibly. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. For I know my offenses, and my sin is ever before me. Indeed, I was born steeped in wickedness, a sinner from my mother's womb. Indeed, you the truth deep within me, and have no deep within Remove my sins with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be purer than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my wickedness. Second reading is from 1 Timothy. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, 
for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right, friends, I have a problem. I lost my favorite stuffed animal on the way down here just a minute ago. I lost her, and I don't know where she is. Do any of you see her? Oh, could you point it? Could you point her out? Oh, right there. Okay, of course. There she is. She's lost. All right. Um, well, I lost her, so let's just sit here for a minute, and she'll probably come back, right? She'll come. That's my favorite stuff. She'll come right back. So let's just sit here for a moment. Is she coming yet? No, she's just sitting there. She's not coming. How can I get her back then? You mean like go over there and get her? All the way over there? Yeah. That's how we'd have to get her, right? Here, Magdalene, do you want to be my helper? Could you go grab her for me? Okay, Clementine, could you go grab her for me? Ah, there she is. I found her. Awesome. She's back. All right, well, our gospel reading this morning has some parables about people who lost something and then had to go find it, right? They didn't sit tight and say, I'm going to wait for it to come back to me. We have one story about a lost sheep, and the shepherd doesn't sit tight and say, oh, that sheep will probably come back. He goes and gets the sheep. If there's a lady who loses a coin, she doesn't say, I'm going to sit tight and let that coin find its way back to me. She goes and searches for it. Well, what's Jesus' point? His point is that we are like that lost sheep, or we are like that lost coin. Right? God doesn't wait for us to come back to him when we've lost our way. Rather, God comes and gets us. God sent Jesus to us to come gather us, to come save us. He doesn't wait for us. He goes and gets us. And that's great news. That's good news. Because God is never going to forget about you. If you felt like you've lost your way in this world, if you feel like you have questions, you're uncertain, if you're like maybe you're not living your best, God's not going to abandon you. He's going to go pursue you. He's going to go find you, and he is going to bring you home. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful to you that you will never abandon us and never leave us but that you will always seek us out and find us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, with Sunday school starting this Sunday, I was reminded of an old Sunday school song that some of us grew up singing. It was one of our favorites. But my warning here is that this song really doesn't have the best Lutheran theology, so I'm not going to recommend teaching it, but it is memorable. And it was one that was fun to sing. And so the words go something like this. You might remember it. 
In country town or city, some people can be found who spend their lives in grumbling at everything around. Oh yes, they always grumble, no matter what we say. For these are chronic grumblers, and they grumble night and day. Oh, they grumble on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Grumble on Thursday, too. Grumble on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Grumble the whole week through. Do you remember that one at all? Yeah, the grumblers. And I think we like that song because we know that grumbling is universal. It's something we all do. It's something we all hear. But in thinking about grumbling, grumbling's not the same as complaining. It's not exactly the same as disagreeing. Complaining and disagreeing are typically rational responses to something we don't like. Grumbling, however, comes more from your gut. It's an instinctive way to voice that something displeases you. It's an involuntary statement that something is not right according to your world. It's a noise that you make through your teeth that communicates not this again. What are the things that make us grumble? Well, we all know, and there are far too many to list, but I think it's safe to say that we grumble when we think circumstances around us are unfair, inconvenient, maybe even scandalous. We might grumble when a coworker gets recognized by the boss, even though we've worked much harder than they have. Sometimes we grumble because the neighbor didn't mow their lawn like they should, and so their lawn looks awful next to ours. Parents with young children grumble when the kids won't stay in bed at night. We grumble because life just isn't turning out the way we expected. And I wonder, however, how much of what we grumble about is actually the work of God. Perhaps we grumble because things seem to be changing in our lives. We thought things were going very well, but now they're different. They're changing, and that's frustrating. But what if God is actually in the change? What if the object of our grumbling is actually for our good and for the good of our neighbor? Well, that's precisely what sets up our gospel reading this morning. The Pharisees are quite confident that they know what God is all about. They're confident that they know what God values. They are quite confident the Messiah would never act like this man Jesus is acting. Jesus attracts large crowds of tax collectors and sinners. And not only does he welcome them, he eats with them. He makes these sinners into his friends. And you can almost hear the grumbling, the low growls between their teeth. Ugh, they think this guy is the son of God? This is not how it's supposed to work. He's totally misrepresenting what God is all about. And so this grumbling, this judgment leads Jesus to tell stories that make up the heart of our gospel lesson. The parables aren't really about grumbling, and I don't just want to preach to you on the evils of grumbling, because our gospel is much too significant for a simple moral lesson like that. But this morning, I want you to pay attention to the contrast in our readings between the Pharisees who grumble over the presence of sinners, as opposed to God, who rejoices at the presence of repentant sinners. That is how Luke sets up these parables. There's a contrast between Pharisees who grumble and the God who rejoices. And our Lord says there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. And he says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
The parables in our gospel reading tell the story of God who wants us to know the fullness of his love. God so wished to be united in love with his lost creation who rejected him that his son takes on flesh and goes to earth and pursues them. Just as the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the lost one, so Christ has left the host of heaven to be born of flesh to find us for our sake. And so it's clear from the entire witness of the Bible that God rejoices when the sinner whom he has pursued comes to him and repents. God does not grumble. God does not grumble because of how awful we once were or how awful we might be living now. Instead, he rejoices when we humbly rest on his shoulders, when we allow him to give us life and we receive the gift of life from him. In his pursuit of us, he doesn't reprimand us and tell us we were naughty and send us to the corner, but he joyfully embraces us unto himself. And he invites all the hosts of heaven, all the angels of heaven, to rejoice with him. And so we must resist the false image of God that suggests that God is an old man in the sky who's trying to squash all the joy and fun out of humanity, because that's not God. Now, the, pro the prophet Zephaniah describes God like this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The angel who announces Christ's birth to the shepherds, tell them that that event is an occasion of great joy. And at that moment, a whole host of angels began to praise God. The angels rejoice at the coming of Christ because they know he is now pursuing what was lost and now is to be found. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings to receive God's grace, we lift up our hearts and voices with all the choirs of angels, with the whole host of heaven, and we sing and rejoice in the presence of God. There's no basis to grumble in God's presence because we are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin whom Christ has come to rescue. We are the lost, tired, agitated, suffering sheep who Jesus picks up and carries home on his shoulders. He knows that the journey can be too much for us, that we are likely to lose our way in this life. He knows that we make foolish decisions. He knows that we are sinners. But he rejoices over us because he has come to find us and to allow us to rest in his goodness. And so like a good shepherd, Christ does not let us go. He always has and he always will pursue us. He's not a Pharisee who grumbles about you. He's not like a vindictive parent who is going to bring up every failure that you've made in this life. He's not going to make you identify every disappointment and hurt that you've caused in this world. Instead, he's going to give you rest in his arms. Right after the parables we get this morning in Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. In that parable, God is represented as the father who welcomes back his lost son. And you know that parable, and you know the father doesn't receive him back and recount all of his sins to him. The father doesn't scold him. 
He doesn't say to the son, I hope you've learned your lesson. Instead, he sees his son from far off, and he runs to him, and he embraces the son. The son who has come home to receive mercy has received a party from his father. The father is overjoyed that his son is there to receive mercy. The father is not grumbling about his son's mistakes. And so in the silence of our own hearts, in the silence of our prayers, in our devotional life, we want to get back to that one truth. In our worship, when we prepare our minds and hearts, we want to set them on that truth. God is pursuing you right now. You would not be in this church on this Sunday morning with these Christians if he were not pursuing you. He wants to give you all the goodness of himself. In his word of forgiveness, he wants to give you new life, a forgiven life, a life of rejoicing with him. And as we gather together, and as we see other Christians who are here with us this morning, remember also that these are people whom God is pursuing. He loves them too. They're not perfect. No one in this church is perfect. And you, I undoubtedly could list all the ways in which the people in this church are not perfect. You know that they're sinners, just as you are a sinner. But each one of us is a sinner over whom God rejoices each time they come to him for mercy. This is how we live in community with one another. We don't grumble because there are sinners in this church. We don't grumble because people aren't perfect. We don't grumble because we make mistakes. Of course there are sinners in this church. We're here because we are all together sinners whom God is embracing. And your prayers for the people in this church, your kind words, your service to all the people here, are a piece of God's pursuit of them. So love one another. Love the people in this church, not simply as people who are close in proximity, but love them as people whom God is pursuing. When the Pharisees grumbled about sinners who came to Jesus, they were showing that they did not understand what God was all about. They did not understand that God delights in showing mercy. They did not understand that Christ has come to save the lost. And as we pray this morning, take a moment to really embrace that we are with multitudes of angels who are rejoicing over us because we're sinners who are receiving God's goodness. We are ones who are once dead, but now have life. And so the angels rejoice over us, as Christ says. This might seem like an ordinary Lutheran church in the Midwest of America, and it is, but don't forget that it's full of angels who are sending up praises for what God has done for us sinners. And of course, we will all at times grumble like Pharisees. The ways of God will not make sense to us. There are times where our immediate reactions will be to mutter through our teeth about how things are unfair. But remember your relationship with God. Remember that now he rejoices over you and over all the church because he's pursuing you. It's no mere trifle that we come together each Sunday to do what we do. It's all the work of God who is now eager to rejoice over us. Amen.
Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ came down from heaven to seek after us lost sheep and to bring us home rejoicing. Let us now call upon him in thanksgiving and petition for ourselves and for all the people of God. O Father in heaven, we pray to you through the Son and the Holy Spirit. Grant that we may daily recognize that you provide for our every need of body and soul. We praise and bless your holy name for all good gifts from above. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you call pastors and set them to the task of shepherding your people. Bless them in their work of providing your gifts to those who have gathered and as they seek those who have wandered away. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, look with favor on the households of this congregation and grant that all may live in love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Lord, in your mercy. Most merciful God, remember your baptized children who have wandered from the household of faith. Pursue them as a shepherd who lovingly seeks a lost sheep and strengthen their families to persist in prayer and confidence in your faithfulness. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our King, you appoint princes and all governing authorities. Remember those who have placed an authority over us, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and grant that they might fulfill their responsibilities according to your word and for the good of your people. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of life, you heal and deliver. Hear our cries for all who are in need of your strength, especially Owen, Cheryl, Tom, Tana, Anita, Ray, Amanda, Marilyn, Mike, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and Nancy. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you bring up the souls of your people from the grave. Receive our thanks that you restore to life your people who go down to the pit and preserve us in faith until we sing your praises with them in heaven. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty Father, all these things and whatever else you know that we need, we ask that you grant to us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And the Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. serve the Lord. <laughs>